On Perspective this week, we hear from the candidates for the forthcoming Legislative Council election. The LegCo hustings was organised by the Liberal Vannon Party and held at the Legion Hall in Douglas. In this first of two parts, we find out who the candidates are and how they respond to questions from the public who attended this open event. Some probing questions and fascinating answers from the candidates. The successful four will be making big decisions about your future, so worth finding out what they stand for. There were 10 candidates at the hustings, with David Prichter unable to attend due to a prior engagement. Liberal Vannon's Paul Wetherill asked the first question. I'm asking each of the candidates in turn to introduce themselves and also to say what is the most important attribute that they feel they have as to why they should become a member of the Legislative Council. And we're going to start with Dawn. Thank you. Um, my name's Dawn Kinnish. Um, I feel that the most important attribute that I can bring to this role is, uh, as a scrutiny role, is to look through legislation uh, with an equality lens, and that means looking at legislation through the eyes of different perspectives. Um, I have uh, a legislative background as well as a, a teaching background, um, but with a particular focus on equality um, is my skill is my skill set, which I feel would be relevant to the role. Good evening, everyone. Uh, I'm Brian Brumby. I'm from Ballaclingham Farm, or you probably know me better through Cinemoose Campsite if you've ever been in the north of the island. So I've been on the island 25 years. The island's been good to me, and I'm at a stage now where I'm freeing up time and I can put something back into the island. And this is my route. I've always been interested in politics and the Manx Farmers Union, and what I bring to this is broadening the church of the uh, Legislative Council. I've been self-employed for the last 25 years, um, small businesses, business expansion. Uh, so an ideas person, a problem solver. I come with a history of hard work, long hours, delivering on time and in budget. I've also championed green energy and uh, been instrumental in bringing policies through on environment. Hi everybody, my name is Marie Bertels. Um, I've lived on the island now for almost 20 years. And in that time I've had quite a diverse background working in finance sector, healthcare, and most recently the last 10 years within housing. Uh, I work at grass levels, as I put it, root levels, with people that are in crisis every day. Um, that can be any sort of crisis, housing crisis, financial crisis, addictions. So I'm, I'm aware, I've got a good awareness of people's struggles out there. Um, I'm very analytical in my approach. I'm able to break things down, do things systematic, systematically, and I've got a really good eye for detail. Um, I'm not an eye-flying academic, but I am a hard worker. And once I get, get stuck into something, I see it through to the end. Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Kiri Jenkins. I was born at Castain one of the oldest Manx families who can trace their ancestry back to the Vikings. I've spent much of my working life in the finance world, travelling with various roles and working for a time overseas. And I believe that the five principles of corporate governance, responsibility, accountability, awareness, impartiality and transparency are in common with the principles that apply to the role of MLC. I'm equipped with the attributes to carry out effective research, analysis and scrutiny and believe I can make a strong contribution. I've taken a keen interest and engaged in Manx politics for a number of years. 
and I've used my fiduciary skills to support various boards across different industries, including the Agricultural Marketing Society, and was fundamental in establishing the Rural Support Group at the beginning of the pandemic to ensure that the sector had adequate contingency plans in place. I am trustee of a UK charity that played a lead role in highlighting the global problems of single-use plastics. I was elected to the board of Arbury and Russian Parish Commissioners and worked collegiately with the team developing strong links to community, local charities and businesses. I was instrumental in forensically examining the financial status of the Southern Swimming Pool, highlighting difficulties and working with government to find solutions in a constructive way. Hopefully this evening will give you an insight into why I believe I possess the right skills to be an MLC. Uh, good evening, um, I'm Connor Keenan. I'm a teacher at Ramsey Grammar School at the moment. Um, I was previously president of the National Education Union uh, for the Alman branch also. Um, I feel I would uh, bring a diversity to Legislative Council. Uh, I feel I would, um, from the demographic profile that I'm in, uh, I feel I can consider education, uh, legislation sorry, from a unique perspective. Um, as mentioned, I'm a, just a, a main scale classroom teacher. I'm not from a senior position at all, uh, not from a financial background, not from a, a judicial background or anything like that. So I'm, I'm a very sort of, uh, from a, a non-traditional background, if you like, for what's previously been in Legislative Council. Um, as I say, my work with, certainly with the uh, National Education Union has given me an opportunity to scrutinise and contribute towards a variety of educational uh, legislation and provided me with a, a, a skill set which I feel like I could utilise uh, across LegCo if successful. Thank you. I'm Dan Kelsey, currently uh, an, a member of LegCo. I'm very grateful for the opportunity to speak tonight, answer questions and listen to what people have got to say. At the time of my election in November 2021, I made much of my ability to be a good legislator from day one, uh, given my previous experiences. My probation period of the last 15 months has not disappointed. It's been hard and challenging uh, work, but immensely fulfilling. The key role of an MLC is to scrutinise bills as they progress through to become acts of Timwood. Our aim is to, prove, to improve um, them where it's needed and ultimately to ensure clarity and fairness because these are the rules that are going to govern the way we live. Although there's not been as much primary legislation as I had hoped for or expected, we've seen swathes of secondary legislation and regulations together with um, government plans, uh, Timor committee reports, and I've read everything and I've questioned where I've needed to. Um, I've challenged, I've inputted where required and I've worked collegiately with colleagues across both chambers to ensure good results. In addition, since early in my term, I've accepted additional responsibilities when asked, and I've really enjoyed all the aspects of being a member of Timwood. Thank you. Um, good evening, Faster Mai. I'm Paul Crane. Um, I've been on Legislative Council for the last 15 months, and, and I'm up for re-election now. Um, born in the Isle of Man, lived here for all but five years of my life when I was teaching on Merseyside. Um, I uh, first entered the house of keys to sit in as a sixth form way back in 1972 for the usury bill so i've had an interest in in manx political affairs for a very very long time um born and brought up in the isle of man and having lived here most of my life um, i'm very aware of the background of the isle of man i remember the years of that were difficult and um, i can remember years of boom years when indeed the boom was so great the economy was overheating i can remember highs and lows um, and the, the night that Summerland went on fire, I was stood outside the building and could hear the heat from it when working on the horse tram. So I have an understanding of the Isle of Man. Um, as a 
uh, young uh, graduate, I was given an opportunity to study the Isle of Man's population, which I did for, for a period of three years. And um, uh, that's been a, a long-standing research interest. I, I produced the Isle of Man Population Atlas just in 2016. And my career was mainly in education. I was a, an assistant head at Castle Russian. I was the island's senior secondary education advisor, working, advising governing bodies on school reviews and national strategy and so on. Good evening, everybody. My name is Gary Cluett. I'm basically a mostly retired uh, investor and entrepreneur. Um, what I bring to the position is 50 years of global business experience, political and legislative legal experience. Um, I understand and have experience in mitigating and taking risks. Something small entities, whether it's organizations, countries, or businesses, have to take to survive. Um, risk aversion ultimately leads to decline. Um, I have extensive experience in scrutiny and oversight of people, projects, policies, and finances. Um, I embrace change. I'm from a technology background where if you don't, you, it's change or die. Um, but I do not like change for change's sake. There has to be a positive outcome for all change. Um, I'm a pragmatist, I'm passionate, and I'm empathetic. I can see multiple sides or, of any situation. I have no problem working with other people that have views completely different to mine. Um, I can set that aside and work toward the common good. I have long experience nego negotiating. Tanya, August Hanson. Thank you. So um, I'd like to thank you for the experience as well of being able to be questioned by the public. Um, for the last five years, I've lived in, and breathed uh, this role as an, an MLC, and I've grown not only as a parliamentarian, but I've also grown as a person in that I joined when I was uh, 32. And I've, I've found my niche uh, in LegCo. It took a long time to, to sort of get going, but um, actually I found like the, the right um, level for me um, in that I found um, the right role um, as an MLC and the one that I felt comfortable in. Um, I started work in the Department of Home Affairs, working on legislation such as the Domestic Abuse Act, um, sex offences legislation, justice reform legislation, um, working with civil servants, working with other MHKs to try and bring them out of departments into um, the branches and then um, you know, sort of seeing them through off to the MOJ. Um, in this administration, I've been working in the Department of Health and Social Care and also working in um, the Department of Environment, Food and Agriculture with their legislation and um, bringing their legislation out of the departments, working with MHKs on, um, you know, firming up um, the policy um, that is very much within their remit to do as opposed to mine in my own personal um, view and opinion of my role. Um, and I have, um, you know, really, really enjoyed that work things like the animal welfare um, bill which is currently working its way through. I've also worked um, an awful lot on the committees in, in Parliament as well. I chair the, the Standing Committee on the Business and Functioning of Legislative Council and the Constitutional okay. Legal Affairs and Justice Committee. Peter Reid. Thank you. Um, I'm Peter Reid. Um, thank you for being here today and listening to us. Um, obviously this is quite a big change for me in terms of what I have done before in, in the fact that I've worked in banking for the last 34 years and before that I was in the RAF and uh, also was a company buyer. So 
Um, the interesting thing for me is that actually I've been dealing with legislation all through that career, um, whether that be running an international bank, as I did for Lloyds, or whether it be as the island director on the island. Um, obviously, quite a lot of things have changed over the last um, 15 years since I've been here. And certainly I've been involved not only in supporting legislation changes, but also serving on boards where we have to consider legislation. We also work across many borders and we've been working jurisdictions all around the world. And it's not just dealing with the Isle of Man legislation, but also legislation in other countries. So what I think I would bring um, to uh, the, the party, so to speak, as an MLC, would be um, my attention to detail and my problem-solving abilities. Um, I've been very used to scrutinising um, legislation and supporting legislation in the biosphere. I'm on the technical committee there and also served on the legislation committee for the finance board. So uh, I, I feel that I, I could add a lot of value in that sense. Well, thank you to the panel. Um, now it's your turn in the audience um, to ask uh, questions. So does anyone have quest a question? Hello, I'm Devon Watson. I work on Douglas Council. Uh, MLCs have a significant job in shaping policy, not only through direct access they have to Tynault members, but also through their working committees. And as such, you guys have access to um, and will be shaping a lot of the most important decisions that will be facing the upcoming administration. And many of you will outlast this administration. How will you deal with the housing crisis that is pushing young people off the island and is uh, threatening to uh, cause irreparable damage to both our economy and uh, the future prospects of the demographic balance of the nation? And remember, candidates, you have 60 seconds to, to provide an answer. And uh, first up is Peter Reid. Thank you. I mean, that's a brilliant question because I've been involved in um, supporting the government with the first-time buyer scheme for the past um, 14, 15 years. And that's been something that I've seen as quite a big success in terms of supporting people that are buying a, you know, the biggest thing they're going to buy for the first time and actually creating a part ownership in that, but making it affordable. So that's the first thing. And I think that scheme... Um, needs to be extended, it needs to be looked at again, I believe, particularly with the, the, the house prices that we've had recently. Um, I do believe that we might see maybe a little correction in, in, in the markets, we'll see how things go, but certainly with the rise in interest rates, the, the concern on a secondary basis is for all the people with mortgages, and that's very important. Next up, uh, it's Dawn Kinnish. I take a view that we have a lot of empty properties on the Isle of Man, um, and I would like to think that policy could be changed to address that issue. Um, I also think more work could be done around revising government mortgage schemes. I'm not sure that the first-time buyer's scheme goes far enough, despite recent revisions. Um, and I also think that there should be more help by way of uh, shared equity schemes. Next on the list is Brian Brumby. Yes, it's definite that we need more housing, especially with the government looking to increase the working population by 5,000. So that would only f fuel house inflation and it, it needs to be slowed down. Otherwise, people are going to leave the island or not bother coming here. Um, planners have a role to play in this. Uh, where I live, there's a lot of houses 
been extended and added to and are now out of the price bracket of a family home, which were originally family homes. I think an empty, prop, empty house property tax is needed to get those properties lived in. And then on the public housing sector, the government's got a responsibility uh, to provide appropriate housing, three bed for a family and a one bed for a single person, but they they haven't got the to produce a forever home. Okay, and next it's Marie Bertels. Hi, I think we really need to look at the the properties that we've got already. We need to make sure we've got the right people in the right properties. We need to make sure we're building the right type of properties. At the moment, we've got we've got uh, single people living in family homes. All that needs to rev- be reviewed. We also need to look at the mid-term rent uh, and make sure there's more more of those properties out there. It's a great it's a great scheme and it works, but they just need more properties. I think that should be a real focus going forward, along with you know reviewing the uh, first-time buyers and also looking at the the levels, the income levels and the thresholds to make sure that we can provide um, accessible quality houses for everybody on the island. And next on the list is Kerry Jenkins. I've spent a number of years working for equity companies in the UK that have dealt specifically with um, brownfield sites. So developing um, sites that have got contamination and um, bringing them back into um, use. And I think the Manx Development Corporation, although it's an arm's length um, company from government, I think that's an important step forward. And I do feel that um, you know, with the right scrutiny of that and with the right um, funding, that that could be um, a way to solve the housing crisis that we've currently got. And I'm fully supportive of that. Okay. And next we have Connor Keenan. Uh, thank you. Um, a very apt question as a recent homeowner myself. Um, I think with all these issues, it's really important to remember that we're not there as policy drivers. That that policy decision needs to be driven by MHKs. The MLCs are there to scrutinise, to tweak and contribute to that discussion, though. Um, for me, it's a supply and demand issue. Uh, what I would like to see is perhaps some sort of further exploration of brownfield sites, particularly in the forms of things like modular housing, etc., which I know has been a topic of discussion uh, within Tim Wood and Keys over the last uh, few months. Uh, perhaps something I'd also like to see is some sort of exploration, maybe a vacant property tax or, or some sort of tax on possibly second or holiday homes and things like that as well. And then we move on to Diane Kelsey. Thanks, thanks, Stefan, for your question. Um, I've got two teenage children. Uh, one's 19 that's already off the island and uh, one's 17 that obviously she'll go, uh, go off at some point. So it, it's a key, key thing for us to think about our demographics, which is behind some of the questions. I'm, I'm genuinely hoping that the work that um, Minister Chris Thomas is doing with his Housing Communities Board is going to come forward with some really good um, recommendations and actually quite a few of the things that the other panellists have mentioned. I'm hopeful and probably certain are going to be part of those recommendations. So I'm just looking forward to seeing the, the outcome uh, as they come forward so that my children can afford to come back to the Isle of Man in the future. Thanks. Then we move to Paul Crane. Uh, thanks for the question, Devon. Um, you referred in there to the suggestion that we'll be shaping policy, but as has already been suggested, that's, that's not the role of the MLCs, really. Indeed, it was made clear to us when we uh, and took up our roles that we didn't have a mandate. 
we, we didn't have a mandate uh, in, in the same way that the, the Keys have. I would pick out um, three things, really, that I think I would point to. Number one for me is to do with planning. You know, our planning is just far too slow. By the time you've got a strategic plan in place and then you've gone through the southern, eastern, western, northern, um, it, it's too slow to move forward. The second thing I would go for is, is um, yeah, the range of schemes, fixed first, fixed choice, the um, shared equity, mid-rent options, you know, all, all of those need to be worked at and worked through. They will make a difference, make opportunities for our young people to get housing. Um, okay, I'll finish with that. Thank you. Uh, Gary Cluett, next. I have lived and breathed housing for the last two years on the island. Um, I was totally unaware when I arrived here some just over four years ago at how bad the situation was um, and what needs to be done. The problem with housing underpins almost every other problem we have on the island in terms of education, healthcare. We can't get people because there's no way for them to live or they can't afford the houses or the prices for what they get are just unacceptable. Um, it's affecting business. Businesses are stymied because they cannot expand, they cannot grow because there is no housing. Um, I've been sitting on, I sit on the Housing and Communities Board and it's not only about first-time buyers and everything. There's assisted housing, there's, there's elderly aged housing, there's, there's many, many aspects to it. It's an extremely complex thing. Uh, next then is Tanya August Hansen. Hello. Um, so, um, I'd agree that um, the, the um, policy, the overarching policy for housing needs to sit with the MHKs. Um, there are opportunities though for um, MLCs to input into these things. The Poverty Committee is working on a, a housing report um, at the moment looking at provision um, on the island. Um, the Housing um, and Communities Board, as has already been mentioned, has a number of actions in their plan, so holding them to account on um, you know, the actions that are actually quite ambitious actions, um, you know, making sure that they actually hit the milestones that they intend to hit. There's a housing and miscellaneous um, bills, um, um, pr um, provisions piece of legislation that will also be traveling through in this administration as well, which will be picking up across um, most pieces of legislation regarding housing um, and trying to improve. Um, on those and also data um, feeding into the strategic plans I think is probably needed. Um, it's, it's currently woeful. Uh, if I could, while, while you're thinking about a question, if I could remind candidates that when I ting the glass, that's a signal to say you've got 10 seconds left. You don't have to just stop, but I will stop you at, when, when your minute runs out. Uh, Martin Perkins, what are your views on assisted dying and would you support that legislation on its progress through the House? Okay, next, uh, or the first person to answer that question is Brian Brumby. Uh, yes, I do support the legislation on assisted dying. Um, I've come, worked in industry all my life, uh, where I've had to make some tough decisions with a vet on stopping suffering in an animal, and uh, in some ways the same applies to the human. Uh, so... I, w I would support that legislation. Uh, it's the protocols that come with it is where the detail needs to be and so that it doesn't get abused in any way, shape or form. Okay, so next on the list is Marie Bertels. Hi, yeah, I am, I'm in agreement with the legislation, but what I do think is that 
it's got to be right for the person and it's got to be their choice and there's got to be safeguarding um, pol like procedures taken out before um, it sort of becomes final but I definitely think everybody should be given the choice and if you're terminally, terminally ill um, and that's your choice and that's the right decision for you and only for you then I'm, I'm all for it. Um, next on our list is Kerry Jenkins. I was privileged to know um, Mr Patrick Neen who 20 years ago um, championed um, assisted dying and at the time there was an inquiry and the island wasn't ready for it. Now I'm very interested to hear 20 years on if the island's ready for it now but as you know Paul mentioned earlier we're not to set policy so and this is too an important an issue to make a, a snap judgment. I would want to see um, what the results of that um, recent survey is, whether the island is ready, and then I would want to revisit all that good work that was done 20 years ago to see if, you know, with, with modern medicine and modern, sort of, you know, up-to-date thinking, if it was the right thing, because I think that's it. One probably one of the most important pieces of social legislation that will come forward in my lifetime. So next we have Connor Keenan. Thank you. Um, I think when this issue is discussed, it's, re it's really important to highlight it. it's assisted dying. It's, it's not euthanasia legislation. I think that's something which really does, does need to be to be highlighted. Um, for me personally, I'm similar to, to some of the other thoughts there previously. I'm just kind of pro-choice on it. I think the safeguards have to be there. I think the legislation does have to be correct. There does have to be um, certain checks and balances on the legislation. From a personal point of view, I don't think it's legislation I would actually utilise. But as I say, I'm, I'm pro-choice. I wouldn't want that, that decision to be taken away from anybody who would want to utilise such legislation. Next is Diane Kelsey. Thanks. Well, by my nature, I'm pro-choice, so I, I, would, I would be minded to, to, to support. However, it's a private member's bill being brought forward by Dr Allenson, and I would want to do exactly the role that you'd expect me to do, which is properly scrutinise what comes through, understand the concerns within the keys to see if there's anything that we need to pick up on in, in LegCo, and actually just do a very good job on, on the legislation such that the safeguards and everything is, is in place. So if we say yes and we get raw assent, that it can't be abused in the future. Paul Crane uh, next. Um, yes, an interesting question. We, we've, of course, we've not seen the legislation yet, and that's a, a crucial part of this. You know, until we see that, and from the consultation that's taken place, it's not clear what, what the parameters might be within that. Um, I think my starting position would be that I, I'm really um, uncomfortable that it's going to be possible to get the safeguards in place. So my role in this would be absolutely looking at the safeguards. I followed very carefully the case of the 14-year-old Molly, you may remember, whose inquest found that uh, she'd been put under undue pressure to harm herself by Instagram. So what is the pressure of social media on people? What is the um, inappropriate pressures put on older people, on disabled people? How do they feel because someone else has, has taken a particular line? I think we are more interconnected than we imagine, and getting those safeguards right may be extremely difficult. Next is Gary Cluett. Unequivocally, yes, I support the legislation, but with caveats. Um, 
fundamentally, I consider it to be an issue of human rights. Um, there can be no greater privilege in life than being able to choose the time, manner, and place of one's death. Um, there are over 20 jurisdictions worldwide that have introduced this um, in various forms. And in actual fact, the results and we've seen are, are actually quite positive. All the doom and gloom that we'd heard were potentials haven't really happened. However, um, and I believe Dr. Allenson's intention with the bill is to take it slowly. The one, this is one area we do not want to be pioneers or leaders, world leaders in, um, but there are safeguards and, and, and considerations that we have, to, we have to be very, very careful about. Um, but I think other than that, yes, very much so. Um, it's something we need. Tanya August Hansen. Thank you. Um, yes, um, in absolutely in favour of it um, as a person, individually, um, and um, and definitely in principle, following the the consultation and the documentation that I saw there. But the um, the the capacity bill that's just been taken through um, the the department. I worked with the team in the department and also with the EMHKs and the minister in the department. Um, in, in bringing that um, out of the department into Timwald, that sort of lays the foundation for, for, I think, what may come next. It will be interesting to see the benchmarking for that. I would agree with other panel members that the safeguards, it's incredibly important um, that we get the safeguards right and ensure that the legislation works correctly. Peter Reid, next. Well, having uh, lost my mother when she was fairly young and also seeing her suffer over quite a long period of time, um, about four months from lung cancer, um, I would strongly advocate um, the, what, what we're trying to do. And talking to Dr. Allenson, I'm, I'm, I've been very impressed with the sensitivity that he's dealt with it. I think the, the only thing that you know we do have to really be careful about is the communication and how that is communicated, not just in the Isle of Man, but to outside the Isle of Man because what we don't want is for it to be all of a sudden jumps on a bandwagon of sensationalism, uh, you know, that, that we're doing this for the right reasons, for the, the right moral reasons. So I, I would advocate it strongly. Finally on this question, Dawn Kinnish. I, um, from a personal perspective, would support assisted dying. Um, I believe that it is um, a choice. I don't agree that it's a human right because human rights are about right to life. Um, but the public consultation was very supportive, and so my personal stance would be to support it. The British Medical Association, the Royal College of Nursing, have, sub have taken neutral stances on this. We wouldn't be uh, pioneers in this area because other countries have done this with safeguards. So I think the legislation following uh, what Tanya said about the capacity bill, which I think has to come first, and that's important, uh, with the appropriate safeguards and checks, uh, is uh, the right legislation for this island in this modern society that we have a pro-choice legislation in this area. Okay, so that's the third question asked. Um, any other questions? I hope that there'll be a few more. Um, otherwise, our, our rather rigorous timing of, of just 60 seconds may, may fool, uh, prove uh, rather foolish. Hi there, Andy Corrie. Um, my question is, which piece of primary legislation expected within the next year interests you the most and why? And um, probably as a follow-up to that, what particular elements of your skill set equip you to be able to uh, make a difference with that piece of legislation? First to answer that question will be Tanya August Hansen. 
Thank you very much. Um, I've actually um, I've been working on a, a, a private members bill over the course of now well, since the start of this administration, the human and um, fertilisation and embryology legislation. Um, now that legislation will um, it's agreed that that would go back to the Department of Health and Social Care, and they will then sort of work that through. Um, I would personally, as I've been sort of working on that from the start, if I'm re-elected, I would be very, very appreciative to be able to work on that again and to actually take that through and see that through to the, the sort of finish line over at the MOJ and then see it implemented over in, in the Department of Health and Social Care. Um, I have um, an awful lot of em emotions invested in that very technical piece of legislation, um, particularly because of some of the people that perhaps might benefit from it on the other side um, in terms of um, same-sex individuals being able to register um, the births of their children. Peter Reid. Well, something that I've been um, long, uh, I think is long overdue, are the credit reforms because um, we actually have difficulty um, in claiming um, credit for things from other countries, even the, the, the tax office has difficulty with that. And if, if you look at our credit system on the island, it, it's very archaic. It needs an overhaul. And it, the, the, the whole process of going through uh, the courts is, is ridiculously long-winded. And, you know, it's something that I've been campaigning for since 2009. Um, it, it's a, a prickly pear because obviously you know, nobody likes to talk about credit and, and maybe things like repossession of properties or, or, or having to um, you know, finance debts and things like this, but it is something that we're actually behind on now and we're suffering as a jurisdiction because of that. Dawn Kinnish is next on our list. I may not be answering Andrew's question quite right here because it may not be in uh, within the period of, that he's set there of, of a year, but uh, specifically I would have a particularly strong interest around the Educational Amendment Act. Um, I think our Education uh, Act is uh, uh, very out of date and with particular regard to the ad Additional Educational Needs Code, um, which would support a lot of young people um, across our island with being supported with the right provision in schools and we need that Educational Amendment Act to come through. Brian Brumby. My particular interest is uh, seeing the green energy side move forward. Um, I was, I've been involved in that through the Manx Farmers Union uh, since the uh, last 10, 12 years when it was the target of 15% reduction in carbon by 2015. Um, I am concerned that things aren't moving very fast and uh, towards the now 35% reduction by 2013. So we <coughs> we need uh, legislation to get that all, all moving forward on the uh, carbon reduction side. I've, I've been given uh, figures with the population increase and houses turning to heat pumps and electric cars. The demand for power is going to be times five on current levels so uh you know we really need to start moving that one forward marie bertels hi my interest really and focus would be around housing because of the experience that i've i've got already i think i'd be an asset to be involved in anything to do with housing i've got a great understanding of the housing need on the island also I've got uh, a son who's 26 and out there struggling to find accommodation. Um, and I think to retain people and keep people on the island, we need to address that. That's got to be one of the first things. We're attracting people to the island, but where are we going to put these people? So that would be 
what I would predominantly be interested to, to focus on. Kerry Jenkins. Over the course of the next five years, there's a, a number of areas of legislation that um, I've got a particular interest in, both um, from the finance side and also from local government and also um, from the agricultural. But if we're keeping within the strict 12 months, um, the animal welfare bill that's going through at the moment is something that um, is long overdue. Um, I've sat and I've watched the MLCs working on that. Um, I, I know from my experience um, brought up on a farm, I know we've got um, fantastic um, standards um, for our uh, farming community and it's long overdue that we have um, this act in place to cover um, companion animals. Connor is uh, next to answer this question. I might throw two at you, um, if that's okay. Uh, first and foremost, in the short term, I'd say the energy bill. I think it's it's vital that we there are something in place to, for, for energy protection, uh, particularly in like the, the, the world conditions they are, as they are at the moment. Um, and then secondly, my thunder was slightly stolen earlier, but certainly as a teacher and educationalist, I live and hope that we will see uh, a new education bill. Um, I think the, the term archaic was used before. Our education act at the moment is is not fit for purpose, and I'd like to see something new uh, with skills needed sort of fit for 21st century so those would be my two sorry not one next we have diane kelsey i can only say one which is the uh, vaping products bill and the reason i say that is it's come quite sort of shot through quite quickly such that we're hoping to bring something to uh, Timwald, at least to Timwald members, uh, within the next month to explain what we're trying to do. And when I say we, it's actually public health. And the reason I've got involved in it is because I, um, I sit on the Cabinet Office Board, and when I heard the discussions with health um, that there was going to be this bill, I said, well, it'll probably have to be to me to take it through LegCo. So I was very keen that I got involved and, got, and, and understood what the um, legislation is about. And it's about under-18s not being able to get access to vaping products. And with a 17-year-old daughter, that's what I think I can bring to it, as well as my scrutiny. Thank you. Thanks, Diane. Next is Paul Crane. Yes, there are two bills that I could have thought about, but I will focus down. But first of all, the animal welfare bill that um, went through the clauses stage in, in Legislative Council about a fortnight ago, and I'm waiting to see how it's finished off in the keys because I had 14 amendments in there that were passed unanimously trying to make sure that people going and um, being complained against were not on the animal welfare register with animal offenders. So that was important. But it, it has to be the, um, the housing legislation that's going through. It, just to give you the picture, I've been on the Population Rebalancing Select Committee over the last year. Births in the Isle of Man are now down nearly 43% since 2010. The number of 20 to 24-year-olds leaving the island is up to between 2016 2021. For every um, eight leaving, three came in. So we're losing, hemorrhaging our 20 to 24-year-olds. And housing is a fundamental factor in that. So. Um, getting that on the move will be really important. Thank you. Gary Clewett, of course, is, is the last to answer this question. Well, I guess it's housing. <laughs> There's going to be quite a few of us working on it, I hope. Um, but no, how, as I said, housing is something I'm involved with now. It is the housing communities bill that it's, it's taking too long. It's too slow, uh, in my mind. Uh, we need to find ways of speeding things up um, that. And the other, the other one that I would like to get involved in uh, would be the uh, assisted dying bill. Um, but housing for me is the number one issue that 
requires urgent, urgent attention. Am I allowed to inject a little bit of cynicism? The thought of having 10 bills going through the branches in a year, gosh, that would be something, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> um, just wait until you get to the final year and then there'll be uh, 20 of them. Um, next question. Uh, Muriel Garland, Treadalure. It takes a long time for change to happen on the island. Do you think that's a plus or a minus? What a great question. And the first to answer that question will be Marie Bertels. I think there's both positives and negatives to that. The positives is I would like to think that we'd proper researched the changes, that we've scrutinised the changes, that we've had the changes approved and we've looked at absolutely everything that we need to consider everything. I mean, the negatives is if, if people are wanting change, people get frustrated and impatient. Um, if, if it's not going through as quickly as they'd like it to be. But everything's got to be considered, and sometimes it does take a long time to make sure that you've taken everything into consideration. Uh, next up, Kerry Jenkins. Good question, Muriel. <laughs> um, I presume you're talking about the legislation going through, and in some respects, some of the legislation has, in my opinion, whizzed through without proper scrutiny. So... I think if I was um, elected as to an MLC, that I would want to um, properly debate, see that debated and scrutinised. And um, I know that the um, LegCo has not in recent times delayed matters, but I know that they can. And if there's some um, important um, legislation that, that I feel that you know, I need to speak up and say it's going through too quick. I would not be um, frightened to do that. Conor Keenan, are you a Trethelua man? I'd look at it from a perspective MLC hat as well, and I would possibly suggest it's good, um, purely just down to the role. I think that the role of Legislative Council is just to put the brakes on things, to do, as I said before, those kind of checks and balances, to make sure that any legislative change it is good, and I think that from an MLC perspective, I think just being able to put the brakes on would, would be good to do that. Um, th there's obviously recent experience in terms of the Equality Act when that went through, where LegCo was, was able to just sort of slow things down to make sure that when the uh, legislation comes through finally, it was, it was a really, really solid piece of legislation. So I think from a, specifically from a, an MLC perspective, I think it's possibly a, a good trait to be slightly trader low. Diane Kelsey. It's a really difficult one because as an MLC, we are there to, um, I wouldn't say slow down, but we are there to scrutinise. And, and actually, we can do that. We don't have to sit in our um, chamber to do that. We'll be asking and working with people all the time. So it shouldn't slow things up. But as a broader parliamentarian, actually, sometimes some of the changes, and they're not necessarily legislative changes, just need to happen. And it's just the, let's is everybody in consensus? Let, let's go with this. Now, that doesn't have to be reckless, and we do have to understand the risk we might be taking. So I would genuinely say, as a parliamentarian, sometimes we take too long over things, but when it comes to primary legislation, we have to do it properly. So, but it's not about putting brakes on. Next is Paul Crane. Uh, thank you. I, I assumed that the question was not necessarily tied to legislation. I hope you're happy for me to continue on that line. Um, I think at this stage in an administration where we're 18 months in, 
and we've clarified what the island plan is and we've clarified what the economic strategy is and we know what it is we're trying to achieve in terms of um, developing the infrastructure, increasing government income, doubling the economy and so on all over the next 10 years. I think the crucial thing now is get, getting on with it, getting the action done. And when it comes to um, the long time for change, we can't afford a long time for change or we'll reach four years into the administration with one year to run and we won't have achieved one half of the things we've got to do. So I think the stage we're at in this administration is that we've got to start delivering uh, and, and having clarity about what it is we're delivering and much of that is happening across the department. So uh, I think at the moment the, the pressure's on to get actions to bring about the changes we've decided need to happen. Gary Cluett is uh, next on my list. Things do need to move faster. Um, the and there are ways to do that. Uh, one of the ways is that without getting into MLCs taking positions in full-time positions in departments, I th think that MLCs should be involved with departments, not necessarily on a permanent basis, but with departments during the development of policy and, and um, legislation so that any objections or alternatives or things can be brought forward early rather than wait for it to get through the system and eventually it gets to LegCo and you kick it out because you didn't like something and you've just lost six months. Um, so I think there are ways without compromising the scrutiny, without compromising the overall integrity of the system of certainly speeding up the process of legislating. And as Mr. Crane pointed out, we're approaching halfway through the administration. Got to get a move on. Excellent stuff. Um, so then we move down to Tanya August Hansen. Thank you. Um, so. I will take it as sort of um, being a number of different um, things that you're making suggestions of there. Um, in, in Legislative Council, um, over the course of the last five years, we've seen sort of quite a lot of change. Um, Legislative Council's only real power is delay. Um, sometimes that's particularly helpful, say, for example, with the communications legislation um, that we brought through. It was significant delay to that piece of legislation because at consultation um, there was um, you know, a, a feeling from industry um, on all sides of industry that were relating to that bill that then needed to be um, a, a no political chair. Um, they now have an apolitical um, member of Timwald um, that's on that, um, on that, um, on the uh, communications um, authority. So it's, it's, it, there, there is sort of use in trade law um, at some points. Yes. Peter Reid, uh, are you into trade law? I'm certainly into change, and uh, I don't think we're actually that bad at change, if you look at the island. I, I think what we have had, though, is a slowdown in legislation that's actually been coming through in the last 12 months, mm -hmm. and that does worry me a little bit. So, you know, the, the, the previously there was always the point about, well, we don't have enough people to write the legislation, which I, I faced into quite a bit from the other side of the fence. But I actually think the island man is good at change. And I think, you know, if you compare us to the other Crown dependencies, um, we're actually better at change than they are. And you could just have to look at, say, for example, Jersey and the way that they do things. Um, they don't tend to adopt things as quickly as we do in the Isle of Man. Um, if you look at the Moneyval visit that we had as well, we got a, a, you know, a very good response to that. So I, I, I actually think that we do need to get more legislation through. And that's, I, I think, down to, you know, getting more resource in there to help. Dawn Kinnish next. Noting the role of Legislative Council, um, and just putting that aside and ans answering your question, Muriel, um, 
this is going to be a little bit revolutionary, but if we were to apply the public sector equality duty when we, uh, as a gov when the government are looking at the development of policy, um, it means earlier engagement with the people of the Isle of Man. And if you have that earlier engagement, instead of having consultation after the bill is drafted, it means that you are more likely to draft your policy and legislation to meet the needs of those people. And just by doing that, changing that process slightly would then speed things up because you are more likely to produce something that would be more fit for purpose. Um, it, obviously, you still need to go through the processes uh, of scrutiny. But I do genuinely believe, and I'm not, I'm not reinventing the wheel here, um, there are other jurisdictions that have done this and applying the equality duty properly um, to be more efficient. The last person to answer this question will be Brian Brumby. Yeah, as a member of the general public, legislation and delivery seems awfully slow. But then when I became involved in the Manx National Farmers Union and talking with DEFA, etc., on the future paths uh, involving agriculture and environment, it becomes obvious why it all seems a bit slow then because it's got to be good legislation at the end of the day. It's got to be well researched, debated, consulted on, and legislation is a building blocks of our society. And if those building blocks aren't right, the rest doesn't follow on. So, and it's, it's got to work for the people the common people out there. So I can understand why it seems slow now, but ultimately going forward, I'd like to see it speeded up. Great. Thanks uh, for that, Brian. In fact, thanks to all of the panel uh, for the wonderful answers that you've given. That was 10 of the 11 candidates with just David Prichter unable to attend due to a prior engagement. The second half of the evening will be broadcast next Sunday and I hope your appetite is whetted to tune in again for that. While you don't get to vote on the candidates, you might want to at least choose your favourites and see how close you are when the vote is taken in the House of Keys on the 14th of March. Let me know your thoughts on the programme by contacting philgorn at manxradio.com and get in touch if you have any ideas for future shows. Don't forget this programme is available as a podcast on Manx Radio's website. For now though, I'm Phil Gorn, Goromayo, thanks for listening.